Good morning, Mosaic. Good morning, good morning, good morning. There's a festive spirit in this place. Amen. Amen. Please make uh, you know every attempt to be to our Christmas program. Uh, I just appreciate the work that's going into it and just kind of the last minute, and, but we can make it happen. And we always have more fun than we should in church. So uh, just encourage you to come, encourage you to come. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for what has already happened here this morning. Lord, I'm so grateful for this church. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, not only in us, but through us. Pray, Father, that as we talk about kind of evaluating our hearts today, that you would help us to be honest uh, with ourselves and with you. So bless this time we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to title this morning's message, How's Your Heart? How's Your Heart? What I like to do um, at this time of the year, as we come to the close of a year, is kind of do an inventory kind of say, let's, let's check our hearts. There's something about New Year's, there's something about going into a new year that, I don't know, for me personally, it is a time of looking at goals and reevaluating things and just say, what are some things I'd like to leave behind in this year? What are some things I'd like to do different in the new year? And I don't know, there's something about this time. So I kind of steal away at this time of the year and just go somewhere alone for a few hours and just kind of give it to the Lord and just do kind of an introspection and say, Lord, what, is, what do you want me to leave back in this old year, this 2019? And what would you like to do new in 2020? And it's, you know, you know the scripture where it says God wants to pour a new wine into us, but the old wineskin uh, can't handle it. It would burst. So whenever the old wineskin would wear out, they would throw it away and they would get a new wineskin because God wanted to bring a new wine into us. And I believe that's what happens if we'll let it each year, if we'll just say, Lord, what do you, what do you want to bring new into my life this year? What is it that you would like me to discard? What is it you would like me to just say, okay, enough of that? Uh, and what do you want me to do in this new year? So that's kind of what this next couple times we gather together is going to be like. Um, we want you to ask yourself, what were the high points? What were the low points? What are the lessons that I learned in 2019? What would I like to do differently in 2020 and bring into this new year? We kind of did this this past Thursday with the men of Mosaic and the men of the Forge. We asked them to take a deeper look at their lives. And the whole, the whole night was kind of dedicated to that and said, okay, guys, think about some areas in your life. And we actually helped them to think about those areas. Here were the areas. We said, well, how's your faith? How are you doing with God's word, prayer? How are your beliefs? How's the trust factor going? Your moral pu- purity, how are your eyes? Emotional health, any anger issues, unforgiveness, negativity, patience, kindness, love. How are you doing in all those areas? Physical health, maybe it's a time that you want to change some habits in your life, and maybe some exercise, maybe some accountability for that area. I pointed out, I'll I'll embarrass him, he wasn't here on on, uh, Thursday night, but I pointed out my dear friend Chuck, who I think has lost over 50 pounds 
at this point. And then, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome. Was type 2 diabetic and now reversed it all. Reversed. So is it pre-diabetic or non-diabetic? Non-diabetic. How many pounds? 53. Praise God. And then Ron went and had a doctor's appointment. Ron is doing great. He had lost 30 pounds and his numbers were down. So let's, you know, let's, let's think about it. Maybe God's speaking to you in the area of your physical health. Finances, how are you doing managing God's money? Um, serving others. So we talked about all these things on Thursday night. We spent about an hour in small groups and we broke it down. We discussed it. Uh, guys got honest and real. I was, the reports I got back from the leaders, uh, it was just a neat night. And uh, so I would encourage you, if you've not been to the Forge, first Thursday of every month, uh, we meet here for a meal and get together. And this, this lesson was powerful. So most of these issues and a few more we're going to be looking at today are issues of the heart. Issues of the heart. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. I want to look at your heart this morning. I want you to look at your heart. What are the issues of the heart? Proverbs 4. Solomon is the writer of this um, proverb, considered one of the wisest men to ever live. And he's given us some life instructions here. Most he learned from his own sin and his own mistakes. Experience can be a powerful teacher. It can be a powerful teacher. He wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. But Bible says, God said he's one of the wisest men that ever lived. And so he wrote this particular proverb. And then he looks in verse 20, chapter 4. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are, the life, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. When it's talking about the whole body here, it's, not, it's talking about the physical, the psychological, the spiritual. That's what this scripture means. It's talking about the whole person, the whole person. Your heart, is, your heart or soul is considered the seat of your emotions, mind, will, and emotions. Your heart, we're not talking about your physical heart here. You're talking about your whole being. So it says it's physical, psychological, your spiritual, your emotional, your mind, your heart. How is all that doing? How is all that working together, your mind, will, and emotions? And then verse 23, it says this, above all else, guard your heart, your mind and your soul, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left Keep your foot from evil. Keep your foot from evil. This scripture breaks down. I've always loved, Proverbs is my favorite book, and I've always loved this scripture because it really, when you break it down, I want to break it down for you. This is how it breaks down. Your heart controls your mouth, verse 23. Your eyes control your path. Your path controls your feet. Your feet will or will not keep you from evil. It's all right there. Verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Your heart controls your mouth. Verse 25, let your eyes 
Look straight ahead of you. Fix your gaze directly before your eyes. Control your path. Verse 26, make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Your path controls your feet. It's called the principle of the path. Where your foot is, there you are. Where your foot is, there you are. Principle of the path. It's a good book by Andy Stanley. I would suggest getting it. The principle of the path. 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Your feet will or will not keep you from evil. Bottom line. So when you break it down like this, and it's all about the heart, it's all about your life, your, your inner being, and it controls your eyes, your, what you say, your lips, where you go, where you step. And, and it's so important because in our lives, we're always confronted with those, you know, two, two roads diverged in the woods, and which one did I dare take? You know, a lot of times we take the road that's the most traveled. That's boring. You take the road least traveled. Take the one that hasn't been taken before. You never know what could be down that road. But it's all, it's the principle of the path, but it starts with your heart. Starts with your heart. So most of these issues, and a few more that we're going to talk about today, are, are issues of the heart. The question you and I have to keep coming back to, and it deserves a daily answer, is how's my heart? How's my heart? How's the wellspring of my life? The wellspring. If you, you know anything about a spring, I grew up on farming country. And you're always looking for a spring because it's the freshest water. It could be in the middle of anywhere. And you're always looking for a spring to, you know, be able to water the cattle or the sheep or the goats or the horses or whatever. So you would find a pasture where you might find an underground spring because that is the freshest and coldest water. And so it's, it's for sheep. I'll lead you beside still waters, springs, springs. And so our, our heart is the wellspring. It is where everything bubbles up from. It's the wellspring of our life. So how's your heart? Is it contaminated? Is it dirty? How's your heart? What are some things you would like as we, again, come to the end of this year that you'd like to leave behind because your heart's telling you that is not producing the fruit that I want to produce in my life? Look at Proverbs 27, 19. Proverbs 27, 19. How's your heart? As water... Proverbs 27, 19. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart, woman's heart, reflects the person. As you look into your heart, your mind, will, and your emotions, your soul, what do you see? What's being reflected? What is being reflected? We can't judge another person's heart. We can't judge another person but we can judge your fruit. You can judge my fruit. If I get up here and I preach every Sunday, but then I cuss like a sailor when I leave here, there's something wrong with my heart. There's something wrong. So you, you can judge my fruit. And we say, Rick, your fruit stinks in that area. And we're fruit inspectors. We're not judges, but we look at each other's fruit. And, and you, you're around men and women who say, you know, permission to speak freely? You have permission to speak into my life. What do you see? Is there anything there that you think I need to tweak, change, stop doing, start doing? What, what do you see? And boy, when we have friends, we talked about that on, on Thursday night, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. <coughs> Pity the man who falls and has no one to lift them up. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. One man can't stand up against people, but two men can back to back. I got your six. And, we, and we, are, we, we lock arms with each other. 
And it's so important that we have those friends in our life that love us enough to tell us the last 10% to tell us the truth. If you don't have one of those men or women in your life, let that be your first goal for 2020. I've got to find an accountability partner. I've got to find somebody that I can pour my heart out to and that will love me enough to be careful with it, but love me enough to also hurt me if they have to in a positive way. My wife loves me enough to hurt me. I love her enough to hurt her in not a terrible way, but a way I don't have the right to harm her. She doesn't have the right to harm me, but we love each other. We sharpen each other. We tell each other the last 10%. We're not afraid of a rebuke. We're not afraid to be honest with each other. And that's what we want for all of us. We all need those people in our lives. You don't need people that are yes men or yes women. You don't need people in your life that are just going to tell you what you want to hear. That's not going to help you to grow. You want people in your, in your life that sharpen you, that sharpen you. That's not, let that be your first goal. Everything rises and falls on that. We're not lone rangers. So. so it's important that we look at our hearts. I'd like to list for you 12 very common heart issues that I've discovered over the years of almost 40 years of ministry and pastoral counseling. There's a lot of issues. I could list 30 of them. But I want to list 12 issues this morning that are common issues that I see when I speak with people that are heart issues that people struggle with, Christians, okay? I'm talking about Christians. And so there's some issues that we need to look at this morning, and I want to just see, look at all of them. One is forgiving. You know, some people have trouble with forgiveness. One is loving. They're not very loving. Jesus, 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 but they're not very loving. There's a reason for that. Worry and anxiety, stress, fear, all that junk. It's common among Christians. Gratefulness or ungratefulness. I've met a lot of Christians that are just not very grateful. Not very grateful. Humility, obviously the opposite is pride. Pride cometh before the fall. Grace comes through humility, the Bible says. And I've met a lot of prideful Christians. They struggle with that. Generosity, it's my money. It's mine, Rick. It's not God's, it's mine. Everything is mine. I worked hard for it. I've heard that from a lot of Christians over the years, that it's hard to be generous. Temptation is obviously a common one for all of us. There isn't one of us in this room that doesn't face that from time to time. In any one of many ways, it could be food, it could be sex, it could be money, it could be any number of things. Servanthood. A lot of people that I've met over the years feel like they're to be served. Jesus said, I came to serve and not be served. And so he's our model. He set the standard. But a lot of times Christians can go through their whole life and never volunteer for anything, never serve at all. Just kind of consume, come to a church and just sit and never say, what could I do? Is there anything around here I could do? Is there anything, anything you guys need? And uh, that's, that's important because we're called. Y'all have a spiritual gift. Y'all sound like a Southern person there. Um, I'm a Yankee, so I don't know where that came from. But, um, but, you know, it's a point. We all have spiritual gifts. And it's like, what are you doing with it? Don't sit on it. Trust. Sometimes, like we talked about deconstruction last week, crisis of faith last couple of weeks. And so this, that's, all, that's good. That's not a bad thing. It's good that we evaluate how we're trusting God. Faith, your Christian faith. A lot of times people, I've seen people walk with Christ, supposedly knew him for 20 years, and all of a sudden ditch the whole thing. Like, what? What happened? They just kind of walk away from the faith. 
It's like, ooh, so that's, a, that's an issue. So I'm guilt and shame. You know, that's a biggie that I see a lot of. And then joylessness or unhappiness. So these are issues that I would like to talk about today. And actually, you're going to talk about them. You're going to discuss them. We're going to break into 12 small groups right now. We've done this periodically over the years. People always say, can we do that more? I really enjoyed doing that. When you have a church that's a couple hundred or 150, you can get away with this. You can't do this in a large church, obviously. So what, this is what we're going to do. These things are very important. Very important. We're going to go for the next 15 minutes. You're going to pick one of these heart issues. And you're going to think about it and why it's a problem. What does the Bible have to say about that issue? And then stand up and tell some practical steps that you could take to overcome that issue. Several of you just looked for the exits and just said, (laughs) how do I get out of here? Oh boy, when they all stand, I'm out of here. So... So we're going to make it a little bit easier on you. What we're going to do is uh, you're going to actually going to break into a group with everyone who was born in the month that you were born. So we will have 12 groups. And you will have a person in your group that will be a facilitator. And they're going to talk about this. These are the instructions. This will all be in a, on a clipboard when you get up here. I'm going to assign you one of these hard issues. that You're not going to know which one you're going to get. You're going to break into the group of your birth month. And I'm going to assign you one of those issues. And as a group, you're going to do three things as a group. Number one, you're going to discuss as a group why you think this issue is a problem for some Christians. Don't worry about writing it down. I've already done it for you. Uh, Why is this issue a problem for some Christians? Number two, what does scripture have to say about it? Okay, you, you can Google Okay, let me Google temptation. Let me remember all those scriptures. I don't care how you do this. It's a point where you're in a group, say, what does scripture say about this? What does God say about this? So you would sign a couple of people in your group uh, to say, what does scripture say? And a lot of you have these scriptures right off the top of your head. And then three, what are some practical steps your group has come up with that's going to help somebody in this area? And you're going to pick a spokesperson for your group. One one person in your group is going to come up and share for two minutes. Two minutes, which you guys learned in the 15 minutes that I'm going to give you to do this. So some some of you, you know, you're like, there's no way I'm speaking in public. I understand that. But some of you go, oh, okay, I'll do it. You know, and all I'm asking for, and you're only going to have two minutes, but you're going to evaluate. You're going to write down. One of you is going to have a recorder. Mimi, if I can have you come up, babe. One of you will be a recorder in your group. You're each going to be given a clipboard. Assigned on that clipboard is your topic is your topic. So once the person in your group, uh, a discussion, your first thing you're going to do is you're going to introduce yourself in the group. You're going to have one minute to go around your circle. So there could be 20 of you in a group. One minute to go around and introduce yourself and tell us your favorite movie. It says a lot about you, your favorite movie. Okay. It says a lot about you. I have discovered that over the years. You're going to only have a minute. I'm going to give you 90 seconds. You're only going to have 90 seconds to do this. So you go around, Rick, we met, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Next. Uh, yeah, four, there you go, Forrest Gump. So it's like, and that, that took all of two seconds. So you're going to go around and do that. Stay with me one second. One person in your group needs to take notes. We have extra pa- papers on these clipboards. You're going to be taking notes. So have a recorder in your group. One person will be the spokesperson for your group, and you have the two minutes to stand at the end to tell us what your group discovered. So uh, maybe yours was generosity. 
And so you're going to say, why do Christians struggle with being generous? What, is, what does the Bible have to say about this issue? And if somebody is struggling in that area, what, what advice did our January come up with, our group? What advice would we give a Christian today? Guys, now listen, there is somebody sitting in this room today struggling with one of these or, or several of these. There isn't one of these that somebody in here isn't struggling with. So when you stand up to give us your two minutes, just know you're speaking to somebody. What you say this morning could have such a profound impact on their life because you've discussed it. You've talked about it. And you get up and say, this is, this is what we feel as a group that could really aid if you're being tempted to overeat, if you're being tempted in the area of, you know, our eyes are roaming, being tempted in the area to lie, being tempted to pose, being tempted, whatever. So you, what you say is going to be very important. So again, you choose as a group your facilitator. We've already picked some of them. Uh, your note taker and your spokesperson. You'll have 17 minutes to finish this. First minute and a half, hi, I'm so-and-so. Here's my favorite movie next. And then you're going to go into one minute in your group as a total, like I said, to do that. And then I'm going to give you 15 minutes to talk about it. So any questions? This is fun. This is fun. Trust me. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, some of you are going, oh, I, I want to go to Mosaic my first time here. And they're asking me to get that close with each other. Uh, just, just work with us. Work with us. Okay. January. Uh, I want to have Shua come up. Tom, Jessica, Mimi's here, Kara, Jeff, John Stroud, Robin, Carlton, Cheryl. Come on up here, please. And many, who's born in June in this room? June. June, June. Okay, who else? June. June. Jeannie, come on up. July. Who's born in July? July, Christina, come on up. All right, we got all our groups. Grab a, grab a poster. So, Shua, January, Tom, February, Jessica, March, Mimi, April, May, Kara, June and July, I just picked, Jeff, August, John Stroud, September, Robin, October, Carlton, November, Cheryl, December. We got a bunch back then. They should each have one pen. Okay. Now, let me have your attention. We, 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 we want to do this as orderly as possible. Okay, April, Mimi's April, Mimi's April. Um, okay, January, who's January? Shua, January, go on into the cafe, Shua, all January. Go into the cafe, please, and Shua, go down toward the cafe, right, go through that door, and you'll, no, just go through January and uh, go in there. February, who's got February? Tom, you're over in the, under the couch in the cafe, under the big TV, all February, under the couch in the cafe. March, who's March? Oh, Jessica. Jessica, March. March, you're going to be back by the fool's ball table, back by the bathrooms there in that uh, pew, all March. Go follow Jessica, all of you born in March. Follow Jessica to the back area by the pew back there. April, Mimi, all you Aprils are going to be over underneath those three banners. Over be by my office, all April, over there. Over here, babe, by the banners, April, May. Who's May? Kara, you're going to be in the back corner. All Mays, go back by the back corner in the uh, bench. June, 
is okay. Where we go, Jeannie? G uh, uh, June, Jeannie, right here. All June, right here. And bring your chairs. You know, kind of get comfortable. Jeannie, right here. Number in June, July. Who's July? Okay, Christina, right back there in that couch. July, follow Christina. July is right back there in that couch. Please move if you're sitting somewhere. July, right there. Followed August. All right, Jeff, come right here, Jeff. Right where, right where these guys are. They were already waiting for you. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. August, back there. September. Who's got September? Where? Yep, September on stage. October. Where? Over here. Robin's right here in October. This couch. Robin, October, right here. November. Who's got November? You do, Carlton? I'm going to guard the door for you, Rick. Uh, Carlton, right there in that first uh, pew, that first section right there. November and December. Who's got December? All right, Gabe. Gabe, right here. Have people bring their chairs. December, right here. December, right here. So bring your chairs, circle around. Hello. Come on in. December, right here. This whole area right here. Oh, Robin, you're over there, right? On the couch? Okay, December, right where I'm standing here. Right, December, right here. Okay, guys, the, the, the instructions are on your clipboard. The, the, uh, the heart issue is on the top of your clipboard. So first of all, go around, introduce yourself, favorite movie. Facilitators, tell them what your heart issue is, and then just follow the instructions. Follow the instructions. All right, go ahead, go. 15 minutes starts now. 15 minutes. Okay, guys, wrap up your thoughts. Three minutes, three and a half minutes. What are you going to tell somebody? Half minutes. Wrap up your thoughts. Summarize. Okay, guys, let's bring it back. Come on back. Come on back, please. Bring it back. Thank you, guys. Just sit anywhere, just come on back and just, we're gonna close the service with this. So I need the 12 spokespeople. I need the 12 spokespeople to come on up front. Okay, just go on back, Ty, sit anywhere, sit anywhere. I need the 12 spokespeople up here, please. Come on in, quick, 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 quick. Come on in, come on in. Let's put, yeah, the 12 spokespeople. Why don't you go on the stage, guys? Why don't you go? We just need one. Just I'm need having one. two people come with me to read a scripture and say something. Okay. All right. All right, everybody else have a seat. Just, I just need the 12 spokespeople up here or whatever. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, come on up on stage. That way you're up there. Thank you, guys. I'm going to ask you to, when, you, when some of you aren't used to holding a mic, 
please touch your chin. Guys up here, please touch your chin somewhere close to that. That's a kind of good rule and so that we can really hear you. You're only going to have two minutes. Okay, your, your purpose is to tell us, let's say you have the area of forgiving. What, why do you think some Christians struggle in this area? What does scripture have to say about it? And what practical advice would you give somebody in struggling in that area? Okay. All right. Who, January, Shua, what did your group come up with? January, best month. Um, so our group had faith, um, which is near and dear to my heart. But um, a lot of issues we discussed came down to seeing and having no like physical proof, per se, of... Um, of God or our salvation. Um, we talked about how a lot of things like science and philosophy can, you know, come against the idea of faith because there's no tangible evidence. And, um, you know, we, we talked about how, sorry if I'm forgetting stuff, January, um, we talked about how faith takes action, and you know, a lot of times we have faith in, we put faith into action every day in the physical. Like, I'm, I have faith that my car is going to start, or like I'm going to sit in this chair and it's not going to fall over. But we don't put faith into action every day uh, in in regards to our spiritual lives, which because it takes risk, right? So I think a lot of people are just scared of the unknown and the risk factor that's involved in living a life of faith. So um, the scriptures we talked about, I hope they're written here because I can't remember them. Um, 1 Corinthians, um, yeah, thank you, George, 1313. And then second page... We talked about the hall of faith in Hebrews. I'm going to skip this part and go to the last question. <laughs> um, some practical steps we said were to um, have a, you know, a biblical understanding, you know, be in the word, understand what, you know, what it is to live in faith, and then, you know, put it into practice every day. February. All right, February. Thank you. Hi, I'm Annie. So our group for February had guilt and shame. And we said some of the things that come with that is for guilt and shame is the high standards that we have today in our society. And another thing that comes with that is the judgment. So say you compare yourself to another individual and that's where it can come from. And even though uh, that it, the, in the end, guilt and shame, that grace requires nothing of you, it's difficult because at the, sometimes you might do something and think, okay, now, God, I've upset you. There's, this is exactly what I've done, and now you feel ashamed. and You feel like you can't share with him. But um, a biblical aspect that we came to was the prodigal son, where in the end, he, well, he, to begin, he ran away. And then when he came back, it, his dad just opened him with loving arms. And in the same way, we can run away from our father, and in the end, he opens up to us with loving arms. So a biblical verse that we came to was Romans 1.8, which is there is 
There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is something that sounds so simple, but it's something that is we need to remember, which can be really difficult. Um, and then the last one we have, thank you. The last one we have is what are some practical steps your group could follow? And something that our group thought that could be really beneficial is that right away just being vulnerable with who yourself and going to God. Thank you. Um, going to God and just saying, these are the things that I'm struggling with. But again, like, like Rick was saying, and like our group was saying, you cannot do this alone. So finding someone to be vulnerable with and hold you accountable in that way, just leading you through those steps, because grace can be something that's very difficult that we struggle with. Who's March? March. All right, good morning, everyone. I'm Thomas, and I'm representing our March group. Represent March. Whoop. All right, um, so, the, um, so the one that we were actually tasked with is um, joy and how there is a lack of joy within our society nowadays. So some of the reasons as to why we um, thought about that is, uh, one, there's a huge comparison issue. We think that we... Um, find ourselves in, especially in our society and our culture, whether it be through social media or mental health issues, uh, we, there's a lack of understanding as to like what joy actually is versus happiness. And a lot of times what we discuss in our group is that happiness and joy can be synonymous with each other, whereas that may not always necessarily be the case. And there's scripture passages that back that up uh, where we talk about, um, yes, how joy comes in the morning um, that's Psalms 30, verse 5, Nehemiah 8, 10, joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalms 30, verses 30, verse 11, you've turned my mourning into joyful dancing. Um, and so sometimes what we've, what we've talked about is how joy may not always be happiness. Sometimes joy is just that contentment, even during those times when we're in those valleys or when we're going through a lot of stress, emotional stress, um, anxieties and such. And so uh, another scripture passage that we came up with um, is Romans 15, 13, where it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And James uh, chapter one, verses starting verse two, says, consider all great joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, so some of the practical steps that we uh, came up with is, one, to establish a time to just simply sit and be still within the presence of the Lord and remember about the uh, the sacrifice that he has made, the hope that he's allowed us to experience, because um, it's always going to be in that time where he will be able to uh, affirm you and encourage you um, and just take the time to know him. We've also talked about um, practicing gratitude and even sometimes taking the time when you can look at yourself in the mirror and then just verbally affirm yourself and verbally remember um, all these different truths that we find not only in scripture, but also with ourselves practically. Um, and then finally, uh, just remember that happiness is fleeing sometimes, but joy um, is um, focusing a lot on contentment and just being, um, and just reminding ourselves that, you know, God has everything under control and we can rest in that hope. There we go.
Our group is April, and our subject was forgiveness. Um, we discussed as a group why it's hard for some Christians, why it's hard for a lot of us. Even though Jesus paid the ultimate price, and we have that example before us, it comes back to our sin nature. Pride keeps us a lot. One thing that was brought out was it's hard to forgive ourselves, and sometimes when we can't forgive ourselves, we can't extend that to others. Um, and one person said it's hard to give up control, too, because once we forgive, it's releasing and letting it go, and I thought that was a really good point. But we're saying let it, let it help us to grow and let it become part of our story that can really help to change lives. And it's a reflection of our relationship with Jesus, you know, we can go back and go in a deeper relationship with God because we have to go to a deep place to forgive really hard things. But at the end, we're going to find peace. Some scriptures. I have some help from two people from the group. If you can share that. Uh, first scripture is Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Another from scripture is Colossians three twelve through 13. Uh, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Some practical steps we talked about was prayer, going to God with it, letting him know how you feel. We said you can't be mad at a person if you love them and bless them. So make your prayers also a blessing. You're, you're asking God to bless that person who has hurt you. Um, surround yourself with people who have been in that situation too. Similar situations. So whether it be friends you know, uh, books. Lisa Turkhurst, I know he's coming out with a great book on forgiveness this coming year and all she's been through. So seek those people who have been in the same place you have that they can know and empathize with you but yet been an overcomer in that situation. Um, so seek counsel from friends and also professional counseling, like we uh, encourage around here if you need to talk to somebody. We concluded it's a daily choice because you can't forget what somebody did, but you can choose to not remember and your heart isn't filled with bitterness towards them. The pain is gone, but not the memory. And last, we're going to end with this, uh, what this gal, Hadley, said um, really, I think, was profound, so I wanted her to share it. Um, hi. So I had a friend who shared with me a while back this phrase. Um, it's living our life, saying what an honor. Um, and we can apply this in many ways in our life, but uh, just a couple phrases to think of is what an honor to allow Jesus to manifest through us forgiveness to others or a difficult situation, or what an honor it is for Jesus to give me the strength to forgive myself through difficult trials and tribulations. Thank you. And April showers bring May flowers. So where's May? All right. I'm Ethan, and I'm representing May. And I just want to say that Kara actually volunteered me. She was like, anyone want to volunteer, Ethan? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> But she did it out of love, so that's all that matters. Forgiveness. Um, forgiveness. Well, actually, no, we covered God's love in this, and we covered love. So that was our subject. Um, one of the reasons why it's really difficult to love people sometimes is just it's not natural for us, and also it's inconvenient to love. It's really easy to love someone like your girlfriend or your parents or your friends, but it's really difficult to love someone who might be 
um, annoying or someone who has hurt you. Um, but when it comes to scripture, First um, Corinthians 13, it says, um, it says uh, love is patient and love is kind. And it goes through a list of what love actually is. And with love, it says, I can know all of God's thoughts. I can know every single thing. But if I don't have love, I'm just a clinging symbol. So all our words are empty without love. Other scriptures, um, let's see, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And with uh, love, 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. So when it comes to practical steps, uh, one says, uh, ask God to make me more loving. Seek a closer walk with Jesus and his spirit guides. Uh, two says, God's love is a free gift that we can't earn and don't deserve. If he loves us like this, we can learn to love from him. And the last step, well, the third one is surround yourself with loving people. Because the more you're in a culture of people who are loving, you can take pointers from them and just give that back to people. And another step, actually, is to just allow yourself to be loved. Scripture says that God lavishes his love on us. So when we take that and allow, allow ourselves to be loved, we like operate from a standpoint of just overflow, and we can give that love back to people. And yeah, that's love. All right, so my name is Jake, and uh, my group had the pleasure of actually getting to talk about worry and anxiety. Uh, So, yes, anxiety being up here. Just kidding. Um, So, (laughs) thank you. Uh, But actually, you know, a lot of Christians struggle with this, and you know, we, we as a group discussed that we think it's more because we want to take it on ourselves instead of trusting God with it. And it's a worry of the flesh and not of God. And it's related in control and others' opinions. And one of actually the really good uh, points that somebody made, I'm sorry, I don't remember their name, and I feel really bad about that, uh, is actually uh, she said, worry is an agreement with Satan and not trust in Christ which is it's huge uh but some some encouragement uh from scriptures that we had in which there is a ton of uh scriptures in the bible that cover anxiety but philippians 4 6 through 7 says uh be anxious for nothing and you know little dots there i guess we didn't remember the uh full verse but in the end it says prayer and repetition uh that's huge and in psalms 23 it says walking through the valley uh, the shadow of death, you know, that can be pretty pretty anxious because death is pretty scary. And, you know, we we get a lot of anxiety coming through it. Uh, Romans 8, 38 through 39 uh, says that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. And that gives us a firm hold to say that we won't back down. Second uh, Timothy 1 through 7, or not 1 through 7, it's 1, 7, uh, says that we've not been given a spirit of fear. And in that, that's also a powerful, powerful um, reminder from God saying that we are not meant to live in worry and anxiety. And though what is in front of us 
may be, you know, pretty taxing or may be pretty big, uh, that we still have God behind us and he's bigger than everything. So some practical steps for us to um, really apply this is, you know, journaling these verses to change our thinking, you know. We say, you know, writing things down helps us remember it. So if we journal the verses, you know, once a week or even continuously, that will really give us the mindset that these verses are true and these verses uh, are part of our lives daily. Uh, so we speak these scriptures over ourselves, not as, you know, just saying them out loud, but praying over them and telling ourselves that these are declarations so that we know in our hearts that God has given us the opportunity to not be anxious or anxious because he has given us the power to not be. And then we speak the name to it by saying, what am I believing about the situation that's giving me anxiety? And by giving it a face and a name, we know that we can overpower it with God. If you've already gone, you can have a seat. All right, uh, so my name's Chase, and uh, July, representing... So uh, we got generosity, so I'm getting ready to step on some toes. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, why is it an issue? Um, we came up with uh, several things, but it really comes down to just trust, right? Do we really trust God to give, you know, to give us what we need to survive? And he, he's going to do that, and he's going to give even more. Um, it can also be a control issue. You know, it's my money, my time. We think we own it when, when we don't. Um, another one is it's an issue of the heart. You know, are we giving to give actually to God and take care of his sheep or are we giving to, you know, be recognized and get that Facebook post or post on social media that we did this or did that. So, um, some scripture, um, one would be, uh, Ephesians four, seven, I'm going to kind of paraphrase some of these. Uh, we got to use Jesus as an example. You know, he washed his disciples' feet. He came to serve and not to be served. And we got to do that exact same thing. Uh, a little bit of a warning in uh, Matthew 6, 2. He was uh, saying, warning, do not boast. Uh, because if you do boast, that's going to be your reward, basically. is You're not going to get anything if you boast to others about what you're giving. And we always got to remember uh, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We've already gotten the greatest gift that we could possibly get. We, we, the most we can do is just try to give back, basically, to what God has done for us. He's already given everything. Um, some practical steps, basically, if you see it, do it. Uh, if something touches your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. That's him saying go. We don't need to worry about the consequences or what's going to happen afterward. We just need to go. Uh, and you got to make it a priority. That's got to be, the uh, like even with tithing, it's got to be the first 10%, not the last 10%. We, gotta give off, we were commanded to give off the top. And uh, the more gratitude you have and the more you give, um, it's all about your heart and the more you're going to receive. So. I have no idea why I was picked to be the group spokesperson. <laughs> so we address the topic of trust. 
And we talked about some of the reasons why trust is so hard to come by. One of the first is really experience because we have had situations where we've allowed ourselves to trust and we've been betrayed in some form or fashion. So that certainly makes trust difficult. Also, putting yourself out there is something that we're not very fond of. And trust requires us to basically put our hearts out there in the open and allow ourselves to be exposed and vulnerable. And that makes us very uncomfortable. Giving up control is also a matter of trust. Uh, we don't like to give up control. We want to have control over our lives. Sometimes trust is hard to come by because we have a particular idea of what it is that we want as an outcome. And when we don't get what it is that we thought we should get, then all of a sudden trust is eroded as a result. And also as a child, I think what we grow up with as children kind of determines what our level of trust is. If we grew up in a home where there was safety and security and we felt protected, we were able to trust, we were able to be ourselves, and that carries over into adulthood. But so many of us have had home situations where trust was not there, where we did not feel safe, where we did not feel uh, that we could live without fear. And that carries over into adulthood as well. And of course, we're very logical, analytical people. We want things that are tangible. We want things that we can see, things we can touch, things we can hear. And if we don't have those things that appeal to our senses, then we're not as likely to trust them. So we looked at some scripture, and there were several, but I want to share a couple um, we talked about the scripture in Numbers 23:19, where God is not like man that he should lie. So basically what we're saying is we should trust the Lord because that is not, his way is not to be untrusted. He is not someone who will lie to us. Of course, we know Proverbs, uh, Rick's favorite book, 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That's sort of the anchor verse. Another one was already mentioned, but I'll mention it again. And this comes from Romans, and it is, Oh, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So essentially what it is saying is there is nothing in heaven or earth that can separate us from the love of God. And that in itself should be the basis of our trust. And finally, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together, not some things, but all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. One of the things that we need to remember, and this is the coping mechanism, things we can do practically, is to think back on those times when we felt that our trust was betrayed because things didn't turn out the way we hoped, but we look back and they turned out better than we planned. Does that make sense? In other words, God had a plan for us, and when we look back on it, we can see what that plan was and that he was faithful to us, even if it wasn't something that we initially wanted. And that is one way that our trust can build, is seeing how the Lord has been good in our lives in spite of our own wishes and desires. Uh, we also th think it's important to have those personal testimonies with people that we know who have been through these situations and trusted the Lord and come through on the other side okay. And then if, if you really are dealing with trust issues that come from childhood or issues that, uh, of betrayal, then seeking professional help to be able to overcome those is key to that. And that is trust.
So my name is Zach. I have the privilege of representing all of the September babies out there today. So the issue that we discussed uh, is humility um, and kind of the antithesis of that, which is pride, which I feel like everyone, at least all of us, struggle with that at some point, at least I do. Um, so a lot of that comes, at least in the church today, uh, with the kind of the the mask that we put up every day. When we come in, and at least when it manifests itself, at least within the church, at least what I see is really where we put up that mask, and we walk in the door, and we want to be seen as people who are, have it together. And I think a lot of that root is rooted in just the uh, kind of the codependency, the kind of need for um, <laughs> making sure... <laughs> That we see ourselves as something and other people see us as people who are, you know, doing well, they have things together and things like that. But we live in such a culture of uh, just kind of faking it till you make it, if that makes sense, you know? Walking in the door, making sure that everyone pretty much sees us as someone who's got it all together. So, uh, but the enemy loves to do that. And he loves to do that in our Christian walk as well because he likes to convince us that we can do this Christian walk on our own. And I think a lot of that is straight from the enemy uh, because uh, the Bible does not talk about that being the case because he talks about, the Lord talks about how he is constantly, constantly um, about depending on the Lord and just being in Christ. And so we talked about a lot of different scripture references, uh, references there. Uh, one of the ones that we kind of hit on, at least hit with me as well, uh, was John 15. About It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think a lot of that is uh, just so, so profound because it's so good to see how it's not about us. And it's not about um, how we can do it because we have to depend on the Lord in everything that we do. Uh, one of the ways that we defined humility uh, was a basically God seeing ourself as God sees you in your true self as someone who is a new creation in Christ. And it's just so profound that the Lord has made us new. He has defined us as he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He says that you are loved and that, that basically anything that you need to, to say that you have to prove yourself is not there because you have everything that you need. You are worth everything to the Lord, and uh, any thoughts that you are unworthy and you need to prove yourself um, just are false and are lies from the devil. So uh, some steps that we uh, kind of discussed about how to combat this, uh, just really be honest and vulnerable with each other, ask for help, but really just be honest and take off that mask with the people that are closest to you, with the people that uh, you trust, and really just by doing that, uh, that really opens yourself up to really a lot of growth because you can actually see um, just how the Lord is going to work through different relationships in your life. Um, and the other thing is really just believing the truth that God says about you and uh, really just letting that hit and, and sink and uh, just really believing that deep down because that, in a sense, will combat with pride or humility. So.
Oh, it's all right. And we're going to have a little, just an hour, I think, left. So if you have any um, lunch plans, forget about that. Because I'm going to preach tonight. <laughs> um, can I have the first slide, please? Um, all right. Just needed to dissolve this a little bit. And I just realized that... I, uh, in my group, I was picked to be a recorder, a facilitator, and a spokesperson. What's that all about, huh? Um, the topic was uh, gratefulness, and um, it's a, a hard issue for many. And um, as we know that a lot of Christians um, struggle with it because I believe Sometimes they don't have that joy and peace in their heart and in their lives. And if you don't have that, there's something wrong. And um, you become ungrateful for many things. And you become blaming other people and circumstances around you. Um, and it becomes pretty much a poison. So, And um, also, there are some ways when a lot of people um, in, in the in this country are very, um, they feel like that they are entitled and this sense of entitlement brings them that, well, I deserve this, so why do I need to be grateful for things like that? And um, that self, self of entitlement becomes an issue as well. And when things come easy to a lot of people, especially in this country, uh, even the poor of us still have enough if you compare it to uh, other standards in other countries. And um, things uh, start to be taken for granted, and people don't think of it, that it is a blessing, it is a joy, it is something that God has given them that day, that moment. Um, so um, gratefulness also equals thankfulness. And um, the Lord asks us to be thankful for everything in our lives. And um, I've also become, like if I lose something and then I find it, I tend to remember the Lord and just say, thank you, Lord, for helping me find my wallet or my keys that I oftentimes lose. Um, <laughs> as far as verses that um, come to mind and what we have discussed, um, there is one in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever in the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Um, there's also uh, a verse in Thessalonians um, that says, just give me one second. Um, it mentions that we need to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And as far as um, certain ways um, that we need to help each other to, who struggle with this issue, um, one of the ways was mentioned uh, by Rosa, which was praise and worship music. It's when you 
wake up in the morning or if you are at work or if you are struggling with something, God can come through and he can touch you. He can reform you and your thoughts process if you just let him do it by just worshiping him, by being by yourself in the quiet time. Just thank him for for now, not for what is to come, what you are worried about or anxious about. Just thank him that you are alive, you're healthy, that you have a car, that you have some food on your table. Just be thankful for that. Um, one of other ways was mentioned that was it would be a prayer in the morning, just to start off your day and then give thanks at the end of the day when you're about to lay your head on your bed and your pillow and you just say your, how grateful you are, just that this day is gone and I'm ready for the new day. And just tell him what you're thankful for. And one of the ways was mentioned also just pick three things and think of those things that you're thankful for. It could be your family, things in life, um, anything that can be done. Um, and that is all. Thank you. So for November, uh, we dealt with temptation. Um, so why is it an issue? Um, one thing, the big thing that we said was that Christians understand that we have to fight against it um, as opposed to like non-believers who maybe would be passive to the temptations that we face. Like to them, it would mean like it's not, they have no concept of what sin is. Like we can't expect them to, to have that because they don't have the joy that we have and the same spirit that we have. Um, so we as Christians understand that we have to fight against temptation. Um, that was a big thing for us. Um, temptation itself is not a sin. Um, so don't, don't put that guilt and shame into the temptation. Put it into us falling into that. Um, and so where does the temptation come from? It's the desire for self-sufficiency. Um, and, it's, and it's us not relying on God. Um, it's, so what do we need to do? We need to rely on the word. And that's how Jesus combated in the desert. Was He used scripture to combat the devil with everything that he threw against him. Um, so there's the encouragement from Scripture. Um, so we thought of the verse where it says there's no temptation that Jesus didn't face, so he's able to sympathize with everything we go through. Um, another verse is the one that talks about God will always provide a way out from temptation. Um, and in Christ we are a new creation. So we need to recognize that who we are and who God has changed our hearts to be. We're the new creation. We need to put away the old self. Um, practical steps for someone who struggles with temptation, who might that be? That's all of us. <laughs> um, is definitely accountability. Like allow, like Rick was saying, allow somebody else to open up your life and kind of have that vision that you might not be able to see for yourself and say, okay, where, where, am, I, where am I struggling with? How do I get out of this? Because a lot of times we're blind to ourselves. Um, and obviously prayer um, because the Holy Spirit's that counselor who can kind of open us up and reveal to us what we need to hear um, and the best way of going about it um, and dig up things that we're unaware of is, is the biggest thing. And just allowing the Holy Spirit to be that not so much more than just accountability for us um, is huge. Um, and then, like, like I said earlier, embracing the new life and the new heart that we have in Christ and putting away the actual old self to deal with the actual temptation um, and how do we do that? We just need to be honest, and we need to own the mistakes that we've made. 
um, honesty and owning is, is the two biggest things for us. So that's what we have for temptation. Thank you. Ending with the snow babies. Sorry, it is the grand finale month of the year for a reason. I just think it's interesting that we went out of our way, even though we know Christ was probably born in the springtime sometime, that we went out of our way to celebrate it in December. But um, what, we, what we talked about was uh, servanthood, um, amazing group, amazing snow babies. Um, and it's such, it's such an honor to serve the body of Christ. And with that, I think sometimes we fall susceptible to, we discussed two things, there are several, I'm sure that you could even um, name or uh, say that you've experienced, but two that we talked about was one, um, busyness. Um, I think that's one of the first things that we think about is hindrances to servanthood. But what I mean that by that is um, we take good things, um, amazing community of friends and support, family, um, an occupation, um, and see the Lord's provision in those things. And we almost make those things a defense toward service to him instead of ways in which we serve uh, from the body of Christ and serve with the body of Christ in. Um, and then another one was, I've experienced this personally, my dad was uh, the cleaning guy at the church. He'd make a note in the sanctuary, no food or drinks or whatever, and do the cool smiley face with the spiky hair. And, um, but after a while, he kind of there, there was a sense of exploitation where he felt like his validation in the body of Christ uh, went in accordance with his Contribu- contribution. And so, um, and maybe you felt that um, in some, some way or another, uh, maybe to a high degree or a low degree, but I, I think I remember growing up um, just loving to serve and actually seeing people that really did it well and did it to the glory of God, seeing that there's a really good answer to why we serve Jesus. And at the same time, maybe had a sense of um, insecurity uh, that my, my position in the body of Christ didn't have value unless almost I worked and made it so. Um, and so we talked about those two issues a little bit where maybe sometimes we feel a little bit like we need to validate ourselves by serving the church or we just don't have time to do so, um, which, is, which is interesting because when we look at the life of Christ, when we look at the life of Christ in, in um, uh, oh gosh, who shared it? Philippians 2, when we, we talk about Jesus and that he did lower, lower himself to the form of a, certain, a servant where he was obedient in his service to God, even to the point of death on the cross, but he did it fully knowing his value in, in God, fully knowing his deity, fully knowing who he was. He didn't do it in order to validate himself to men or even to the Father, but he knew that the life he was serving from, and he did it even to death on the cross because he knew his value. And we even see that um, in Matthew 7, in the latter half of um, his uh, Sermon on the Mount, when he, when he spoke to his disciples of, of a tree and its fruit, where um, a, a good tree will bear good fruit, um, and, and you are, you are a tree. Like, you, you're, you are the one which will bear fruit. But you've already been designed to bear fruit. You've already been designed to give life. That was never in the question. You have life inside of you. You already have value. Josh, we're Josh, right? I got it right. Yes, Josh said this. He said, we are working from rest and not for rest. So you see that, right? Come on. Isn't that so good? Thank you, Josh. But what he said was, what we were talking about is our service to Christ is coming from the value that's already within us. It's from the overflow of what we've already been given. Along with that, I was thinking about this and I thought um, that our, our value precedes our service. And so when we are, even when Jesus was talking about bearing fruit, um, during that portion of time where Jesus was at the pinnacle of his, of his, uh, um, of his service, and I promise I'm almost done. I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. But he's at the pinnacle. I don't know if we have um, entrepreneurs in the room or you've experienced a startup or you, you've had that sense of marketing. When you are receiving the largest influx of attention and profit, 
you're not just reserving yourself and going off to some distant land and not communicating with anybody anymore. You're going to go after it. You're, you're going more. You know, your time is more consumed. But you saw that in the height of Jesus's ministry, especially when he had all these hordes of people following him, he reserved himself. So he knew when to rest. And that's what we talked about. And Heather brought up a great point. Heather Medvedenko, they're both preachers. Let me just tell you that. But, but um, yeah. And, and she talked about how well, it was a twofold thing, but she said it always starts from the intimacy with Christ, where if we are spending time in the presence of the Lord, there's more nurturing, healing, and value to be had in the presence of the Lord than any form of service at the same time. If we choose to serve when we're not feeling it, Jesus, Jesus fed the 5,000 right after he learned of John the Baptist's beheading. He was not in a good spot, but he served, and he realized that the Lord could use him and find him, give him rest, give him healing in the midst of his service. And I think um, one practical thing to take away, or not one practical thing, but something that was so crucial um, in what we, what we tell somebody in response to these things is call each other's giftings out. And how I kind of thought of it was catch someone in the act of doing right and not just doing wrong. Does that make sense? Where you are seeing someone acting in their gifting to where you're not always using the language of get out of your comfort zone, do something that you don't want to do or don't like to do, and just saying, you will be asked to do that. I don't think I'll be needing to be the one that prompts you to do that, but you are incredible at hospitality. You are an amazing public speaker. I love the way you pray. Would you join the prayer team? Call it out in each other, because we as a body are able to equip that, and I think the value that's already in ourselves can be so explicitly real to us that we have a church that, that, that's only response. It, it, it's almost inevitable. We couldn't help ourselves but to serve and serve to the glory of God from the value that's already within us. So thank you. That's what we talked about. Yeah. Are you coming up? Good stuff. Man, oh man. I know. We just got 12 weeks and 12 messages and 12 more people to speak here at Mosaic. So, wow. Give your guys a hand. Give yourselves a hand. Wow. Awesome. I know, I know we've gone over and I appreciate your, you know, willingness to hang in there with us. This was rich, really, really rich. And I appreciate you guys fully engaging in your small groups, allowing each other the grace to just, you know, speak from our hearts. And I just want to just say thank you for what you did say and the scriptures and what you guys came up with. Powerful stuff. Let me close with a couple of things. Um, we have a flyer, you know, for the different things in uh, Christmas. It could be our Christmas program. It just could be coming to church on the 22nd, three days before Christmas. The studies show that if you invite someone to come to church on Christmas or Easter, there's a 70% chance that they will say yes. 70. It is so high at those two times of the year. If you will invite somebody to come to church on Christmas or Easter Sunday, and or if there's a program like we talked about, our Christmas program on the 20th or whatever. So what we did, thanks to Chuck and Joe Donneberg and his Touch Ministries, they had some brochures ordered here that you've seen on your tables. We've got a bunch more in the basket in the back. It's just a, a brochure that talks about Christmas. And on the back, we had printed our information of the church, the website, the phone number, the t service times, things like that. Take two or three of these and just hand them out this week. Invite someone to church. A 70% chance they'll come. Don't invite somebody that's already going to church, okay? Unless they're de-churched or they're not attending church. F invite somebody at work. Invite somebody you know is far from God. 
Let this be a time where they can come and just enjoy the love that you guys give every Sunday. So important. And so I just want to say, take one or two or three of these and just hand them out between now and Christmas and uh, invite them to those services. One last thing. Um, who today? Brooke? Come on up here, Brooke. There's other people. Who else today is moving? You're graduating. You're moving. You're not coming back. Is there anybody else? Uh, Brooke is in that. Brooke thinks she's in that category. She's really coming back. She doesn't know it yet, but uh, she is coming back. Uh, but anybody else that's graduating, moving away, and you're, this is your last Sunday? Students. Anybody? All right. So Brooke is it. Shua, Robin, come here, please. And uh, Ron, uh, we want to pray. John, come on up here. We want to pray over Brooke and just say goodbye to Brooke. I want you to thank her first for her you know, service to the body of Christ. So <laughs> she is. She has been such a special addition to the worship team, to the church. Uh, to our lives. I think, how old was she, Carolyn? Her mother's here today. Carolyn, how old was she when I came to Orlando? Seven. So I have known Brooke since she was a little girl. One of the first things, she's an artist, amazing artist. One of the first things she did for me is she drew a picture for me of one of the lessons or something I taught. I've had that to, to this day. And it's, so this, this family has been so special to Mimi and I. And Brooke, as soon as she got here, she's got an amazing voice. She said, I'm not here to sit. I want to serve Rick. What can I do? So she's been a part of the worship team, and we're just so grateful for that. And just all you've given, sweetie. We just love you so much. We really, really do. And watching you grow to become the young lady you are now, it's just powerful, powerful, powerful. John, would you pray over Brooke? And uh, just join us, guys, as we say, because she's graduating. She's going to walk in May, but she's all done classes, and she's going back home. And so we, we're going to miss her. So let's pray. Father, we just want to tell you how grateful we are for this precious sister. We thank you, God, that you uh, knit her in her mother's womb and that you uh, prepared good works for her to walk in. And uh, she is, in fact, uh, a beautiful reflection of your life to us here at Mosaic. And God, we are going to miss her so much. And uh, yet we know that um, you have a plan for her and that you are... Uh, uh, standing within her, working within her to accomplish that plan. Mm -hmm. And I just pray, God, that as she seeks out that destiny and walks it out, that she'll know that she has a, a whole bunch of people back here in Lynchburg who really love her yes. and will uh, absolutely be rooting for her, cheering for her, and believing the best for her. God, we pray that you would meet her needs, Lord, to... Uh, complete her academic studies, to finish her training, and to step into the next phase of her life. We pray that you would provide her with vocation, with job, with income. Yes. God, that you would provide her with health and protect her from uh, any uh, sort of harm that might come her way. And we just entrust her to you, and we just give you thanks for her and what a blessing she is. And uh, we pray these things for her in the powerful name of Jesus, believing that you have only good things for her. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, praise. Real quick, real quick. Surprise. Okay. I just want I just want to give you a blessing as a body. Um, you see that a lot in the New Testament. Paul often ended his letters with blessings, and I just think that as a church culture, we should do that more often. 
but I just want to I just want to extend to you honor and blessing and let you go forth with the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit as he launches you forward into your destiny, into your calling, into whatever it is he has for you. We're asking as a body, we're asking the Lord to give you open doors and the platforms that he has for you and to prepare a way, a straight path for you to walk into. And we just love you and we know that you're going to walk forward in grace and in dignity and in power and in authority. And that's it. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God.